Uh, well, as you uh, saw in the video, Growth Track is our first next step for you. So if you're checking things out, if you're here the first time, second time, have questions about our church, Growth Track 101 is the spot you need to get to. That'll meet right after church today, right up here in this corner. We've got some light refreshments for you. If you have kids, they can stay back in Fieldstone Kids for that extra time. And we commit to wrapping that up within 30 minutes. Okay, so if you're wondering about me, my name is Justin. I'm the senior pastor. Nice to meet you. Uh, if you're wondering about what we believe, if you wonder about what are we doing now, what are we doing in the future, what's coming, that, that's, Growth Track is the place to get all those questions answered in one spot. So uh, feel free to stick around after church right up here in that front corner. Excited about the new year. We've got things coming. We've got our student group starting in a couple weeks. That, that's going to be kicking off. In fact, next Sunday evening, our college-age uh, small group will get started. Uh, so we're excited to get that going. Stop by the info center in the back if you have questions about that or anything else. Uh, but certainly Growth Track right after church is the best place to get started. And we've got some family connection events coming up and different things that you'll hear about. Uh, but it's a big year. And, and it's one of those things where anytime you get into a new year, there's a lot of reflecting that happens, a lot of uh, soul searching and evaluating. And, and for me, it's, it, 2017 was one of those years. I mean, every year is exciting, but it's one of those years we're going to look back on. And, and uh, really, this week, last year, we were pulling out of our previous ministry and beginning the tangible work on what would ultimately become Fieldstone Church. And so a lot of, a lot of memories that go with that. A lot, of, a lot of those memories have already come out in different uh, talks, and, and they'll trickle out over the years. Some of them will just be for Kathy and I and our kids and our family to kind of store up in our heart as the years go by. And probably some of those memories will get lost to time, and we'll, we'll forget about them, or somebody will say something, we'll laugh about it someday. But uh, a lot of things that we've been able to look back on, but it's also a great chance to look ahead. And, and what I want to do to kick off this new year is really just visit the mission of our church and unpack that a little bit for you, because as we've come through the first semester of our launch season, um, we've, we've done some pretty cool series, talked about seeking God's direction. We, we talked about some of the basics of things that we believe. We did a Christmas thing. But on day one, uh, we did an opening day talk, and I said, hey, the vision stuff is coming. The mission stuff is coming. Well, here it is. Here we're going to kick off 2018 with a bit of our vision because uh, when it comes to starting a church or starting a business or, or anything, there are some things that just can't be helped. Uh, some things are going to happen here that we can't help because ultimately, whether it's a church or anything else, it's going to take on a bit of the personality of the person leading it. Um, and I don't know if you know me, but there are certain aspects of my personality that this church will start to mirror, all right? We're, we're going to be great at handling emergencies. We're going to be great at, at going with the flow and figuring things out. But if you're an engineer out there, you're going to hate me uh, because I'm not Mr. Long-Term Planner. I'm not details. I'm, I'm not that stuff. But, and so our church will start to take on a bit of that personality. We're going to be a sarcastic church. Uh, we're, we're going to be uh, hopefully a fun church. We're going to be a laid-back church. And so there's things like that. You, you can't avoid it. I can't change who I am. I can work on my weaknesses, but the church is going to reflect who I am. The church is going to reflect who you are as our regular attenders and our members and, and the people that are serving here. But some things can be helped. There are things that we, that we can impact and affect, and, and that's going to be based on what we choose to value, what we choose to prioritize, what we choose to pursue as a church. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, and, and it really goes back... When it comes to our mission, it goes back really to this time last year as we got started on this, and you know you got to think through some of these big picture things. And one of my biggest concerns, one of my big, biggest hesitations was, okay, what's this church going to be with 
Justin Powell as the pastor? What's, what's going to be our story? Because I, I didn't want just a copy and paste kind of a mission. I, I didn't want to pursue what everyone... Obviously, we've got the great commission of what the church capital C is to be and what we are to pursue and what God wants us to become. But what's going to be our mission? What's going to be our expression of that great commission here at Fieldstone Church, here in Milan, Michigan, and the surrounding areas? And it really, what I had to ask the question, what's in my heart that's going to drive this bus? What, where is my preaching going to come from? Where's my leadership going to come from? What, what's in my heart? What's in my gut that this is going to kind of flow out of? And, and honestly, there was, a, there was a big part of me that was worried that I didn't have what was necessary to lead a church whether it was this church or another church. And some of that came from looking at the people around me that I had worked, worked under, worked alongside of, you know, wondering, do I have the emotions, the experiences, the skills others have? You? If you were here last week, you heard my dad preach, which is pretty cool. The uh, first sermon I ever preached was like 12 or 13 years ago at his church, and then he was preaching at my church. And so my, you have to understand, my dad is a teacher, all right? He is, you could drop him in the middle of a seminary class, and he could teach it without any prep. He's just that kind of a guy. He is an encyclopedia. He is a concordance. He's the guy where when I was writing papers in college, it was before Google got big, and so I would call him and say, hey, Dad, I'm trying to say this. What are like three good verses for that? He'd be like, well, and I'd hear this sound like, boop, 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 beep, boop, beep. No. And, uh, and he would spit out like 10 verses, and most of them weren't verses. Most of them were like chapters of the Bible. He'd be like, well, you've got... Uh, Acts chapter 4, um, you got you know, a lot of verses to choose from there. Let me just quote the whole thing for you, and you can choose. The, and, he would, and he would just quote these massive sections of the Bible. He is, he is a teacher. He is a memorizer. He is just a wealth of knowledge. And he speaks out of that, and he leads out of that, and the people at his church love that about him. I had the pleasure of, of serving under my uncle for a while, who's a pastor, and, and he has different types of gifts. He's a guy who who grew up hating church, honestly. He, he was the rebellious kid in his family, a bit of the black sheep. And so he, he speaks and he leads out of a heart for people who are frustrated with life and frustrated with church. And so that's kind of his thing. And, and people flock to that and they love that about him. And I have, I have friends and other people that I know in ministry and they have phenomenal uh, giftings and amazing stories themselves. And they just have um, innovative creativity. And, and, it, and it's and so I look at some of that, and, and I, I came into this new church thing thinking, okay, who am I, really? Like, what, what's going to come out of me on a Sunday morning? What's going to come out of me when it comes to leading a church? And I, I, I was always a good kid. You know, I didn't really have that rebellious streak. I, I didn't have a lot of, you know, I didn't get, like, the worst trouble I ever got, and I snapped a friend with a rubber band, and the guy had to sit in the hallway in the middle of class at one point, and I was devastated by that. Like, that's not me. I don't get in trouble. I'm not the bad kid. I'm, I'm the good kid. I'm the youth group kid. I'm the pastor's kid who figured it out early, you know, like, so, and so it was like, what's going to happen? And as I, as I dug through that and had to flesh that out in my own life, the answer that I believe I received from God not only inspired me, but really turned into the foundation of what our mission would be. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. And, and, and as I dug through that, I realized that my greatest strength, one of my greatest strengths, is the family that I come from. Uh, my, if you were here last week, my dad shared a little bit about my grandpa and kind of the story that he experienced. And, uh, but my grandparents were the first ones in the Powell family to really give their lives to Christ. And I remember being a kid, and my grandpa had written 
uh, a, a little book about his life, a little autobiography, and it certainly wasn't comprehensive. I think he wrote it in the early 80s, which would have put him late 40s, early 50s at that time, and grandkids were just starting to come around. But he wanted to leave some story behind of what he had been through and what, what God had done in his life. And I remember reading the first chapter, and it was called Tears in the Sand. And, it, and, and as he lays out, he, he lays out that he, that as a little kid, um, had uh, tuberculosis and had to be quarantined for a while. And then he became a teenager and, con- and contracted polio and lost the use of his legs. And so as this chapter progresses, he finds himself stumbling across his backyard and falling into a, a, a patch of sand and just weeping into the sand. And he explains that it wasn't just the polio. Certainly extremely frustrating. He was an active guy, athletic guy, and all of a sudden his legs are gone. And he finds himself laying in the sand, weeping over that, of course, but weeping over a life of frustration, a life of brokenness, uh, experiencing a family with anger issues and alcoholism and poverty, weeping over patterns that he was seeing carried out throughout his family history that he was almost doomed to experience himself on top of some of the physical struggles. But ultimately, he ended up meeting my grandma, and they started having kids, and they realized that there was something more out there for them besides what they were experiencing, and they stumbled into a church and found Christ. And now, three to four generations from them, we have almost an entire family that is serving and following Christ and excited about what God is doing there. All of them radically transformed by a decision that two people made 60 years ago. And it's made, a, it's made all the difference. A family tree completely transformed by the gospel. And so I had to ask the question, what if my experience, where I fit in the family tree, what if my experience is the experience that all family trees should experience? So for me, I'm, I'm third generation. I'm experiencing the fruit of those who came before me, and, and I'm experiencing the, the, the power of parents who chose to pass down values, and now I'm trying to do my best to pass those values down to my kids and, and so on and so on. And, but maybe you're coming from a spot, some of you are first generation. Maybe you're my grandparents. Maybe you're the one who has the opportunity to initiate the change, believing that there's something more and choosing faith. And so our mission, this, this statement came to my mind a, a year ago, transforming family trees with the gospel. And that phrase just kept rolling over in my mind and my heart, and I kept processing that. And I, I knew that I liked it. I, I liked that idea as I started to share it with people, share it with Kathy, share it with friends, share it with, with people that I trusted, got good feedback, and, and, and shared it with people who were at various points in their family tree who who started to relate to it, and it was capturing their heart and their imagination. But I had to ask the question, okay, what about God? He has to have his stamp of approval on this mission. If this is what we're going to pursue, if this is what's going to guide us, this needs to be from God. It's his church. It's his call on my life. It's his mission. It's his desire to bring people to himself. And as I dug and as I poured over this, I discovered that his stamp was on it. And and there are some verses I want to share with you Um, that I had to dig through, that I had to pray through to make sure that this was a God thing and not just a Justin Powell thing, not just a Powell family tree thing, but this is something that he genuinely wanted us to pursue as a church. So here we go. I'm going to give you a sermon's worth of verses in like two minutes. 
All right, you're going to get them all at once. They're going to be on the screens. If you're one of those people taking notes or taking pictures of the screen, you got to hurry. You got to do like the, the quick snap pictures. Just do 10 in a row, okay? Um, so these are some of the, this is a collection of the verses that I ended up uh, going through. Didn't have to call my dad because I had Google, uh, which was great. <laughs> so I could figure all this out by myself. So started with a couple, uh, Matthew 19, 14, uh, famous moment in Jesus' ministry where he says, let the little children come to me. The disciples were trying to shoo them away and, hey, we got bigger things to do. Let the little children come to me. And then Proverbs 22, 6, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Important verses, powerful moments in scripture. And yet it's kids, okay? The kids are great. This needs to be more than kids, all right? I appreciate little kids. I kind of like them as they get older, but, you know, Jesus loves kids. I love kids. Awesome. But I needed more than just little kid verses, all right? I needed more than just, hey, Jesus loves kids. Let's reach kids. I needed more. So I kept digging. So I came to Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So now we're expanding into God's family and, and how he views that type of a thing. Acts 16, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is a couple of the disciples that have been thrown in prison. Now they're escaping and, and they're actually witnessing to the jailer and he wants to know what this whole thing is about. So they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. So now you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Now, the Acts passage and the Ephesians passage, when it's talking about house and household, that's, that's kind of extended family, maybe those under your roof. And in that culture, it was more than just your kids. Oftentimes, it was multiple generations living in the same infrastructure. So talking about everyone under that umbrella, everyone under that roof, kids, grandkids, any nieces or nephews, cousins, anybody that's living with you, that's their household. So it's starting to expand a little bit. So then we come to Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 7, the wicked are overthrown and are no more. They're forgotten. They come and they go and it's over, okay? The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. Now, this Hebrew word for house, this is more than just you and your wife and your kids. This is more than just those who might be living under your roof. This house means a family of descendants. The wicked are overthrown. It's over. They get their moment. But for those who are righteous, for those who will stand firm, for those who will experience Christ, for those who will give themselves over to what God has for them, it's not just them. It's not just their family. It's not just those under the roof. We're talking about a family of descendants. And then Psalm 103, verse 17. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. 
that's great. But it's also his righteousness with their children's children. So now we're not just talking individuals. Now we're not just talking families. We're talking about generations. We're talking about family trees. And there are a lot more, a lot of verses in Scripture about husbands and wives, a lot of verses about parents and kids. And if you look at the Old Testament, there's Old Testament genealogies where they're constantly getting reminders of who their ancient tribes were, celebrating their ancestry. There's, there's Old Testament laws protecting the family heritage, protecting the family line, sometimes by very strange means, okay? Like, okay, brother, your brother died. Now you got to marry his wife and pass on the family tree. Like weird stuff, but protection of the family tree. There's failures where people failed to pass on stories, where generate, one generation failed to pass on truths to the next generation. And as we read through these verses and other parts of Scripture, I think it becomes very apparent that God cares a lot about family trees. God cares a lot about family trees. So many times in Scripture where he warns families but encourages them. He empowers them, but he holds them accountable. God honors and preserves families, but, and he helps them thrive, but he also allows natural consequences that come from the decisions that families make. There are places in Scripture where blessings and even curses are carried on through the generations. Promises are kept throughout generations. And because of all that, because God cares about family trees, and because of things being carried out through generations, a family tree is a powerful force. Just think about DNA that gets passed down, habits that get, get passed down, hobbies, uh, uh, traditions that get passed down, vacation spots, favorite restaurants, sports allegiances, worldview, politics, uh, how you value uh, money, how you value education, all of these things get passed down. Good and bad get passed down as apples continue to fall close to the tree. But the interesting thing is that family, family trees are certainly powerful. But as big as they get throughout the generations, they're still built one life at a time. Still one person at a time. All shooting off in endless directions as one branch shoots off in this direction and becomes its own tree. And this branch goes off in this direction and becomes its own tree. As each person starts their family and, and, and gets going. And because of that, we find out that transformed lives transform family trees. Because every day, every week, every month, couples are getting together and they're starting family. They're having children, basically creating brand new family trees. And these families are establishing their own values and priorities. How important is this going to be? How important is this going to be? What are, where are we going to give this time to? Where are these finances going to go? How are we going to use these resources? What are we going to value? What's going to be most important? What's going to get uh, pushed aside if we run out of time? All of these things are being established by every new family that's getting formed. And many of those new young families are getting off course. And not only are they getting off course, but by doing so, they're creating bad habits and destructive patterns that are passed down to their children and their grandchildren for three or four generations or more. And so a church that can capture those families, a church that can capture those individuals, they're not just changing lives. They're transforming entire family trees. See, we didn't start Fieldstone so that people could have just another option to choose from on a Sunday morning. We didn't start Fieldstone so that it could be just one big old Christian party on Sunday mornings and you see all your best friends and we just enjoy ourselves like, all right, we're good, lock the doors, we're set. 
We can pay the bills. We know everybody. We're happy. Everybody's got their spot. That's not why we started this. We started Fieldstone so that people could bring their friends here and show them around and say, look, this Jesus I've been talking about, this is what he looks like. This is how he talks. This is how he acts. This is how he loves people. This is what he does. This is, this is how he uses his time. This is how he values people. This is what Jesus looks like. We started Fieldstone so that people could see, maybe for the first time, maybe realize, maybe even remember all over again that gathering with the body of Christ is a life-giving experience. It's different from all other gatherings of people. This used to be a moose lodge. There used to be a big moose head right there. <laughs> we think, because there's a, there's a light switch over there that, that we left labeled because it's kind of cool. It says moose head. And so we think, and it turns on these lights right here, and we think there was a big giant moose head right there that they would light up. It used to be a great place to gather and have weddings and banquets for some people to come and get wasted, whatever. Whatever their reason was, this room was a great place for people to gather and enjoy each other and have fun. That's not what Fieldstone is here for. I already told you we're going to have fun, okay, because if I'm not having fun, I'm kind of bored. We're going to be laid back. We're going to be friends. We're going to enjoy each other. We didn't start Fieldstone just so that's what this could be. We started Fieldstone so people could understand that the gathering of the body of Christ is different. It's life-giving. It's a different kind of a thing. We started Fieldstone so that people could meet Jesus. And for some people, maybe reconnect with God. So we could see their entire families transformed by those personal experiences. So guys, i got to ask you a question. What kind of a tree are you growing? What kind of a tree are you growing? Some of you are like me. You are uh, two, three generations down, and you're experiencing a, an amazing heritage. You're a part of a beautiful family tree, but maybe your particular branch is struggling a little bit. Maybe there's something that you're struggling with. Maybe you feel like the odd one out, and maybe today is your chance to reconnect with the greatest thing your grandparents and parents passed down to you. Faith. But some of you, maybe you're like my grandparents. Yeah, maybe you're not old. But maybe you're that first generation. Maybe your family tree is messy. And as you look back one generation, two generations, three generations, you see things getting passed down to your grandparents, to your parents. And now you're seeing them start to manifest themselves in your life. And you realize maybe there's something more. Maybe this pattern doesn't have to continue. Maybe something can change. Maybe you can be the one that initiates something new. I'll steal this from uh, a couple of people on our, on our initial launch team as we were talking about this, this mission statement of transforming family trees. They said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and it doesn't. You can see it in your family. But God can pick it up and move it. And so maybe that's you. And, I, and, and we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes, but I want to I give you an opportunity right now because some of you are that, you're that generation. You're the first generation. And you see the mess, and you've experienced the mess. Maybe you're living the mess. And this is an opportunity for you to be the one that shoots this family tree off in a different direction 
and maybe an opportunity for you to look off in the distance 40, 50, 60 years from now and see a family tree that looks completely different on this side than it did leading up to you. Why? Not because you read the right book, not because you wandered into the right church, not because you talked to the right person, but because on some day, at some moment, you realize you needed something more. You realize you needed Jesus. And so do me a favor. If we could bow our, head, our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray with you and give you an opportunity to, to just kind of respond to some of the stuff we're talking about. Maybe that's you. This is an opportunity. And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as saying, God, we love you. God, I need you. God, I see my family tree, and it's a mess. God, I see my life, and it's trending in that same direction. God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Transform me from the inside out. And God, I pray that you would then transform my family tree going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's the other thing I want to ask you, okay? Because some of you needed to experience something different. You need to initiate a change in your family tree. But the next question is this. What are you doing to cultivate your and others' family trees? Because there's some investment that has to happen around here. So so as a part of this mission of transforming family trees with the gospel, we're going to encourage you to get small. Okay, You're going to hear that catchphrase quite a bit. That, That means connecting. That means jumping in as a part of our dream team, which is our, our team of volunteers. Our dream team, that means getting connected with a small group eventually, okay? Student stuff is kicking off here in the next couple weeks. Adult small groups are coming down the line this year. But that's not so you can have more friends. That's not just so you can just have more names, more Facebook friends, and more Twitter followers. That's not, I mean, that's all fun. That's all part of it. But, but that's so that you can have other families around your family, other people around you, who can look at you at various times and maybe say, hey, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And at other times, they're going to need to say, brother, you can do better. You can do better. And at other times, they can look at you and say, you know what? I know you're thinking through what this looks like. I think God wants this for your life. It's so you can be missed. So someone knows when you're gone. Someone knows when you're missing, someone knows when you're hurting, someone knows when you're celebrating, and they can be that with you. We get small so that you can stand shoulder to shoulder with us and experience the amazing things that God does. You're going to hear the phrase, get away. We're going to want you to get away as part of this mission. Those are opportunities for you to get alone with Jesus, not so you can continue to learn cool stuff about the Bible. Now, that's, that's a benefit. That's a perk. Maybe you can end up like my dad and have the whole thing memorized, all right, whatever. But that's so that you can know the beauty of speaking with God, telling him what you're feeling, telling him what you're thinking, experiencing that amazing tension of knowing that he hears you, but then maybe you hear him, and he has something in mind for you, he has a plan for you, he has something that he wants you to adjust or change, or pursue, or celebrate. We get away so that we can go through each day actually feeling full, experiencing some life, because we're ingesting the bread of life on a regular basis.
We're going to encourage you to get small. We're going to encourage you to get away. But here's the thing. You, you want to help with this mission? That, you know, the, the options aren't huge. You know, we, we don't have and probably will never have a huge smorgasbord of different ministries and things like that. And uh, I served at a church once that had a smoke detector ministry. So people that were passionate about getting people smoke detectors could, could plug in there and make sure they get them. And it was great. We'll probably never have a smoke detector ministry. All right? Yeah, I mean, we'll get, I'll give you a smoke detector if you want a smoke detector. But, but you know, having, have, having everything under the sun is just, it's not sustainable. It's not practical. It's, pro, it's not wise for us. We're going to do our best to stay, to stay simple and streamlined in pursuit of this mission. So we're going to say yes to some really good things. We're going to say no to some really good things. But at this point, if you want to help us with this mission, you want to be a part of this deal, encourage a young mom to know a young husband, shake his hand every week, remember his name, send a tired mom and dad out for dinner for a date night, and when you do that, don't just encourage them to do it, give them a gift card and free babysitting, make sure they're taken care of, give them a night out, ask an older couple for advice, ask them how they handled it when they were in your position. And when they give you that wisdom, turn around and say, hey, by the way, I see you've got teenagers, you've got kids older than mine. I want you to know, I was, I was a mouthy, rebellious teenager like your kid, but then God got a hold of me, and I'm okay. Your kid's going to be okay, and you can encourage him right back. Let one of our sweet grandmas here hold your baby while you go get some coffee. And guess what? Watch her love your kid like she loves her own. You want to help us with this, this deal? Love the kids of this church. Love the kids of this church. We've got some amazing volunteers back in Fieldstone Kids, but here's the thing. They give a lot. They sacrifice a lot, and they're not experts. I think maybe one of them has a degree in, in early childhood education or something, but you know what they do? They love your kids, and they love Jesus, and the combination of those two things is powerful, and they are laying a foundation of faith in those kids' lives in partnership with you. Help us love the kids of this church. Help us create excellent music and opportunities to worship in that way. Introduce yourself, your, introduce yourself to a guest. Help make this a life-giving place for people. That's how you can help us with this mission. And it's not just for 20-year-olds. It's not just for 40-year-olds. It's not just for grandparents. This is a multi-generational deal. We need all of you. We're excited about this mission. We're excited about transforming family trees. And we're excited about you jumping in with us. It's been a wild three months since we launched. It's only, it feels like we've been here forever in some ways, but it's been amazing. And God's brought some amazing people. It was, it, Christmas Eve service we had on, on that Sunday morning, I was getting hugs from people, heartfelt Merry Christmas from people that I didn't know three months ago. Now they're like part of my family. It's pretty wild. God is doing something special here. And I'm so humbled to be a part of it, so honored to be a part of it. And that's what we're going to pursue. We're going to pursue your family. I don't care if your family is young or old. We want to see God transform your family tree in some way. And I want to encourage you as, as, we, as we get ready to sing one more song. Ultimately, it comes down to living the gospel, living the truth that we've experienced. Because many of the people you see around you right now, they're good old church folk, Okay? They've been in church their whole lives like I have. They know all the songs. They know all the verses that I use in sermons. 
They, they get it. But here's the thing. A lot of the people you see around you are brand new to this thing. And they're still trying to figure out who is this Jesus and, and how exactly is he going to transform me, let alone my family tree. And certainly, most of the people you see at work tomorrow, at school this week, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, most of them are experiencing family trees that are broken and hurting. And if we can reach out to people, if one person meets Jesus, it's not just that person. It's an entire family tree transformed by the gospel. Let's pray and then we'll sing. God, thank you for everything. I mean, God, I look back at my family and and see what you've done in my grandparents' lives, in my, in my parents' lives, in my cousins' lives, in my siblings' lives, in my life. And God, now in the lives of my children, God, I pray that for every family represented here. I know some have experienced it. I know some who are that first generation who have given their lives to you and are seeing it transform their family. God, some have experienced it like me. They're the second, third, fourth generation experiencing the fruit of others who have come before God, we thank you for both experiences, but God, I pray that if there's any here who are still living in that brokenness, who are still seeing the effects of generation after generation of habits and frustration and brokenness and sin, God, that today would be the day that they turn that over to you, beginning with their heart and then flowing out of them into the future. God, I pray that as a church, as we pursue this mission, that you would keep us focused that you would keep us passionate and that we would simply love those who come and be willing to share the truth of the gospel with them and that God certainly lives would be changed but that ultimately through this ministry and through the people going out of here that entire family trees would be transformed by what you do and we'll celebrate you when it happens. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.